Robert De Niro has locked himself inside the garden shed and he's not coming out. Robert De Niro has locked himself inside the garden shed. He's refusing food and water. Robert De Niro has locked himself inside the garden shed. He's rolling up his iron sweater and urinating on it, then putting it back on to keep himself warm. Robert De Niro has locked himself inside the garden shed and he's not coming out until you apologise for what you've done. Little poem there to start off the this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blind Boy Podcast. What's the crack? You sweaty Declans, how you getting on? Um Are you a first time listener? Well if you are, I would suggest that you go back to the start. Don't have to go back to the very start, just fuck around with some earlier episodes, you know. Don't don't just decide to listen here and continue on. Because there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of things to listen to, a lot of things I've spoken about in previous episodes. My hot takes. This week's episode is going to have a little bit of a hot take. What I, what I want to do, um, I want to get up on, on a soapbox for a little bit and just tell you about an issue that affects me and affects all musicians and artists that are operating today, you know. Independent musicians and artists. Um, it's something I speak about the odd time. So I just wanted to speak on it today because yeah. So today, um, I received a a royalty check. I want and I want to speak about this. Now I mentioned this particular not not this particular royalty check, but a previous royalty check before. Now what is a royalty check? A royalty check is something that a musician or an artist gets when. I don't know if, the, if if let's just take a musician in my case if your song is in the charts if your song is used in, in a TV commercial or in my case if your song is in a film um you get a royalty check every year which is money that the artist earns um just for their shit being played you know what I mean now royalty checks used to be like there's artists in like, okay, let's just take the Christmas song as a genre, right? I I really don't like, like, it's hard to find a Christmas song that is aesthetically good. A lot of Christmas songs, they tend to be cash-in jobs. Like, there's a couple that are, I mean, look, Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Rea. Corny as fuck, it's not bad. My favourite Christmas song, although I don't think it counts, because it's an ironic Christmas song. Christmas in Cape Town by Randy Newman. But, in general, Christmas songs are... A lot of them happened in the 70s, in the glam rock era. They were songs that artists tried to write because one Christmas song could sort you for the rest of your life. Because, it, like, there's only a handful of Christmas songs and they get played on heavy rotation at Christmas time. So if you have a successful Christmas song, it gets played every fucking year and an artist is guaranteed a decent royalty check. But aside from Christmas songs, there's artists from like 60s, 70s, 80s who might have had just one hit song and they're sorted for the rest of their life financially. They're, 
wealthy some of them actually wealthy because of one song and the royalty checks they get um, there's artists who would have had music that, that are in films and every time that film is shown on TV or whatever or every time someone buys the soundtrack they get a royalty check each year and it's put it this way it's no longer it's no longer a way for an artist to earn a living anymore so as you know uh, you know fans of the rubber bandits which is my my band we had our song and video so that's two things featured in Trainspotting 2 in 2017 I believe and last year I received the 2018 royalty check for our music being featured in Trainspotting and I put it online because it was so shit last year it was 36 euro I'm not joking you because people actually didn't believe me online 36 euros between us is what we earned for having our song in Trainspotting 2 a multi-million euro um, box office fucking huge international film uh, 36 euro for having our song in the soundtrack and for our video uh, video and song being featured in the film so today I got my 2019 statement for having our song in Trainspotting 2 and I'm happy to report that today 2019 we got 11 euro 11 euro lads so I'm not like I'm not complaining I am kind of complaining and I'm not no I'm not complaining it's just how things are it's just the way things are it's as simple as that why am I not complaining I'm I'm not complaining because it's not like I've been shafted right I'm sure now there's bigger artists who like we we would have gotten we would have gotten a one-off payment at the time when Trainspotting 2 came out again not a lot of money like it would have been maybe two months rent for each of us that's like it was it really wasn't a lot of money about a grand each two grand each something like that and we kind of did it because we're like look in fairness as well the exposure for it is very good your song and video is in Trainspotting 2 fucking class so I didn't really expect I didn't expect a lot of money from it to be honest Uh, so I'm not complaining because it's not like I've been shafted merely I'm kind of telling ye this is how things are This, this is this is the music industry now this is what has happened to the music industry because of the internet really you know um Trainspotting 1 came out in 1995 I believe one of the biggest selling soundtracks of all time like the artists featured on that like Barn Slippy by Underworld they, I'd be very surprised if they didn't make a couple of million from that soundtrack right so had we had a time machine and gotten a song on that soundtrack in 1996 be a very different story I'd be living off royalty checks for the rest of my life but here in 2019, the royalty... What makes it so funny, because I put it up on Twitter and on Instagram, and what makes it so funny is it's the full-on royalty check statement, and on the top left-hand corner it has 
Universal Music, you know, the big Universal, huge international record label. On the right-hand side, it has Polydor, two massive, huge international labels, and it has a breakdown of the statement, and then it says, net total royalties, 2019, €11.13. And I put it up because it's so fucking hilarious, right? And I'm not hard done by it, it's just this is where things are. The internet has eradicated money to be earned. Like, you can't. You fucking can't. You can't earn money in music. You can earn money from gigs, from merch. Yes, you can. You, like, people listening to your tunes, forget about it. Spotify, forget about it. That is practically free at this point. And I put it up on... I put it up on Twitter and Instagram the same way I did last year. To be honest, I put it up as a thank you to all my Patreon subscribers. Because when that came into my inbox today, artist statement, 11 euros, same way as last year when it was 36. Like, I think me and Chrome will actually, well, it's 11 euros between us, but we have to give 10% to our agent. So it might be four fifty each for one year of uh, train spotting royalties, which is gas. It's hilarious. But I put it up to thank my Patreon fucking subscribers because, look, because of ye, I'm able to receive that in my inbox and laugh at it for its absurdity and highlight it rather than. If I didn't have the Patreon, it'd actually be quite chilling and depressing to receive it. And it'd be very soul-destroying. Um, because, I don't know, I'd nearly be looking forward to it. I'd nearly be going, jeez, I hope it's a little bit better this year. So, so thank you so much, honest to God, for signing up to the Patreon. Because it, it gives me a regular stable source of income that allows me to plan and take risks and to know what the fuck is happening with my finances which I never really had before Um, so and if you are considering the reason I keep plugging the Patreon is because people come and go that's fair enough so I might look if you're enjoying the podcast if you like it if it's doing something for you and you're just listening for free um, if you can afford it and you'd like to give me the price of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month, you know, if you met me, would you buy me a pint or a cup of coffee? If you would, you can do it. Patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. If you can't afford it, no hassle. No 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 worries. That's grand. You can listen for free. But to the people who can't afford it, just understand Yeah, I make this for fucking free. I don't really have advertisers. I don't really want heavy advertising as well I'll take an advertiser if they're sound most advertisers are like can you can you adjust and change your content to suit our adverts can you stop cursing you know what I mean can you stop doing podcasts about this topic and then we'll sponsor you no thanks lads I'd much prefer this this way so that was the first reason that it was selfish reasons I suppose Uh, the second reason I put it up is just to raise awareness for not not just me I'm not fucking unique in that pretty much all uh, musicians and artists your favourite artists the independent ones in particular like the weird thing now in 2019 and, it, and it's one of the reasons too that I've got this fucking bag in my head 
there's two types of like famous person quote unquote there's rich famous people and not rich famous people and most people are not rich famous people people with loads of followers or views or streams your favourite artists are most likely working second jobs and trying to do it on the sly and it, it's a weird th- for musicians in particular that's really really strange because the thing with musicians is that they're up on stage and a lot of musicians have to give the appearance of being glamorous and wealthy when in fact the you know the day after their gig they might be working in in a kitchen or something you know so just to generally raise awareness to eat if you're if if there's an artist you really love okay and they're not like not like Ariana Grande or someone massive but someone you're listening to a lot just streaming their album on Spotify isn't earning them any money so I would urge you find out if they're crowdfunding if you can buy tickets to their gigs do that if they have merch buy merch do you know all these little things because they just quit I don't want to name names even though they'd probably be fine if I did but I won't because I, I would, it would, I, I'd, ha- I'd ask first but like we started gigging we started uh, doing gigs in 2008 in Ireland you know and there was loads of other bands who would have been started off the same time as us also doing live gigs and these would have been our creative contemporaries people who we'd have done support acts with or we'd have supported each other online our kind of creative peers and there was lots of these Irish acts and bands who are now gone they're not around anymore and it's just it's shit it's fucking shit because there was a huge amount of creativity that never got to flourish now as well you know we started in 2008 which is boom right into the middle of the fucking recession so that that was tough enough anyway but I'm gonna say I'm nearly confident it's 100% of the Irish acts that was started off the same time as us but I I don't want to say that because I could be wrong but I'm I'd be more confident that it's between 80 and 90%. They quit maybe five, six years ago. They would have lasted about five years. They, they kind of quit around 2013, 2014. And every one of them had the exact same kind of situation. It was like... They go quiet for a while. And then they released this big statement on Facebook. That just says... Uh, due to financial pressure we can't go on with this project and careers were cut short and it kind of it always coincided with like you know bands when they start out like in in their early 20s when you're in your early 20s it's okay to to you know live fucking check them out do you know what I mean really live with fuck all and have the utter basics and give your heart and soul to your art um, and, and you know to be eating fucking coconut noodles and maybe sleeping on a friend's gaff doing you know in, in, on their couch sleeping on couches doing gigs around the country sleeping on fans couches shit like that that's all 
it's not grand but it's tolerable when bands are in their early 20s but something happens at, at about 25 that shit can't go on anymore 25 is, is one of those ages where you start thinking of the future and all these bands at about 25, 26 usually like someone in the band just said look I, I want to go to Australia uh, and, and get a job on a fucking construction site or I want to go after Canada and get a job at an office and all these bands slowly put out that statement saying we can't afford to make this next album we can't afford to do this next tour um, and they just went on to have normal jobs and maybe one member of the band was lucky lucky enough to go on to become a session musician or DJing was a popular one um, that's one of the few avenues left for people in bands right now in Ireland is you'll get the odd band member doing DJ nights and they can get a few quid doing that but there's no one really earning money from the music not really um, you know why am I still going after all those years I'm, I'm just I'm very very fucking lucky to be able to diversify my talents I, I'm I'm handy at a couple of things and I'm very fortunate for that um, I didn't have to rely 100% on the rubber band it's music I was writing for television um, there was live theatre stuff like I mean my book all this shit so I, I didn't have to be like music alone because then it would have been no fucking way not a chance we'd have been gone five six years ago too I stuck it out in Limerick as well which really helped uh, Limerick during the recession incredibly affordable place um, didn't have to spend a huge amount on rent like career wise would have been much better off in Dublin or even better in London but fuck that just not possible had I tried to pay Dublin or London rent would have been second job territory and as soon as it's second job territory then it's burnout and no time for creativity so I made Limerick work for myself and I was lucky in that respect too Um, I mean to be if, if I'm being honest like because I think about this like I I kind of I kind of quit in 2015 like not really but in my heart I did because I went back to do a master's degree in college right um, obviously doing that because it's with the look of, of changing career or doing something further beyond entertainment and and I was also working a second job so I kind of half quit then but hadn't said anything but luckily um, I, I wrote the book the first book of short stories The Gospel According to Blind Boy which I didn't know I didn't know what that was going to do alright I wrote that it did really well and then most importantly this fucking podcast which I did not expect like you know from this I didn't expect this to, to do well podcast changed my fucking life this is the first time in like I've been doing this since 2000 but uh, like we were actual fucking children then but professionally been doing it since 2009 and in all that time this is the first time ever that I've got the regular income regular I have a fucking job I know how much money I'm getting each month I can plan and what that allows me to do more than anything risks I can take fucking risks I can like 
I've got this podcast, and now I've just finished the fucking book, just finished BBC series, but now I've got, like, four other projects on the go, and I can now afford for those to fail, because that's what you need to do if you're, if you're professionally creative. You need to be really busy all the time with separate projects, because you know some of them are going to fail. And striving for failure is... You have to strive for failure. If you want to have a chance of success... You have to strive for failure and embrace failure and the possibility of it and take risks because that's creativity. Um, when you're, like, here's the thing. If you're in a situation where you absolutely, utterly, if failure means not getting paid at all, then you can't take risks and your work suffers. And now all of a sudden, you can't explore creativity. It's like, no, I need to do that thing that I think other people will like and the job becomes horrible and not fun and you quit. I don't have to do that anymore now because of the Patreon. Um, But these are all crucial reasons why we should be... Just support the fucking artist that you like. If you're listening to a band now, an, an independent band, England, Ireland, whatever, s- some small band in America, go out and find out. Do they have merch? Um... Can you go to their gigs? Are they crowdfunding? Because listening to Spotify isn't going to cut it. Another bigger thing, right? And this is really fucking worrying across the arts. And it's a trend that's happening since about 2010. When you really start to see it taking hold, right? Britain in particular. A lot of successful musicians and writers and shit and comedians in England... They had really uh, posh backgrounds. Like a huge amount of them went to private school. Now private school in England is like 30 grand a year. So can you imagine how much money your parents have if they can spend 30 grand a fucking year on school? That's serious wealth. So, I don't know, fucking Coldplay, um... What are they called with the fucking banjos and the tweed jackets? Mumford and Sons. Your one Florence in the Machine. Uh, James Blunt. Like, they're all mad, wealthy, rich kids. Well, they were. And the thing is, is that... What's happening is that only the people whose parents have a ton of money are the ones now who, who are being given the space to take the risks to create the art and therefore they're succeeding. And the people who came from either middle class or working class who, whose parents didn't have a fuckload of money, they're now not getting to... They're trying to make a bit of art in their early 20s and then it's like, fuck, you got to get a job. And that now you can't. So all this... All this art is not getting created. You know, all this huge amount of art is is not being made because these brick walls are in front of... I mean, think of Ireland. Like, the amount of people... Like, people who go to private schools in Ireland, that, that's a, that's compared to England, that's a huge minority. You'll see a bit of it in Cork. There's a fair bit of it in Dublin. Like Limerick's got one private school that uh, I think it's for Protestants. So the vast majority of Irish artists um, 
that they don't have their parents bankrolling them. Do you know, to be fucking paying for their apartment in Dublin. Or shit like that. So support those fucking Irish artists, the young ones. Because chances are they're fucking skint. And I know for a fact. I know for a fact because I know, I, I personally know the vast majority of kind of young artists in Ireland who are making noise and doing good shit today and they all have second jobs and if they don't have second jobs they're eating fucking coconut noodles and sleeping on couches just to be able to do their tours that's a given and I'm saying it because uh, it's mortifying I, I know a lot of artists who would be so they, they 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 wouldn't feel right going onto their Facebook and Twitter and saying I'm fucking skint. Can you please come to my gig? Can you come? Not just I'm doing a gig. Um, will you come to it? It's like I'm fucking skint. Will you please come to my gig? I know a lot of young artists in that position, and they just don't have the language. They don't have the language or the confidence or the self-esteem or it's not where they're at to come out and say that or it just contravenes the their stage persona so much that they don't know how to say it so I'm just trying to bring it to the awareness and to bridge the gap between we just all need to move towards a situation where don't believe the Instagram follows don't believe the streams don't believe the YouTube views that is not money Okay, that is not fucking money. Um, and we should all put, kind of be aware of that. Or we'll end up in a society where um, no one's creating art and it'll be a couple of artists who went to Black Rock College in Dublin. And that's, a, that's what'll be left. All right, and I don't think we need that, do we? Fuck that. I don't know, some of you might be thinking, uh, but lads, GAA players... They fucking play for their counties and they train and they do it all for free. They do, and fair fucking play to them. But it's it's it is different. <clears throat> it's different. Um, being a GA player, obviously, it's fucking you know at that level, it's it's obviously incredibly difficult. But yes, there is a huge amount of focus and emotional energy and all of this that goes into being like a GA player but mostly the job is it's physical time it's the, those GA players they give away for free their physical time to play and their physical time to train with creating art it's not just physical time but it's emotional and mental space in order to create that's a huge part of creating the best art an artist needs to have idle hands. An artist needs to have the space to explore what's inside them so they can express what's inside them and create something that resonates with the rest of us. And that's what art fucking does. That's the importance. We, we live in a society where fucking art isn't valued for its role in our collective fucking mental health. Do you ever put on a, a song and... This song helps you to process whatever pain or sadness that you have going on. That's because that's what music does. It's symmetrical vibrations of air that can 
help you process your fucking emotions and that has value open a fucking book has a book ever spoken to you has a book ever not, not I don't mean like art doesn't make you happy what art does is it offers an alternative language to process and understand your feelings if you're out on the fucking nightclub and there's a banging beat you're processing and exploring feelings of joy and elation and fun if you're sitting on your own you have a shit day and you put on a song and the chords and the lyrics work together to allow you to explore sense of sadness or loss or anger you know people who listen to fucking heavy metal it's an anger and a rage that they get the healthy process that's the purpose of art music does that a book to live through another character that's what that does you know, do you go to, to a comedy club and enjoy a comedian and roar your arse off laughing or look at look at some of their work online? Do you follow comedians on Twitter and they make videos or on YouTube and you're screaming, roaring at their stuff, laughing, and it's giving you orgasmic little units of fucking intense happiness that we call laughter. That's the purpose and role of art. That's It's just one. There's all other, other you know, political side of what art can do sociological side uh, it can give voices to people who are marginalised whereby their regular speech and words isn't going to work so once they communicate that true song all of a sudden it gives the rest of us empathy I mean fucking rap music being the prime example of that do you know so art is important art is hugely important to society and we, we kind of take it for granted but you engage, like, 99% of the people listening to this fucking podcast are engaging with art on an everyday basis, and it's improving your quality of life, but we don't kind of name it or know it, and I don't know why that is. So this is why it's important to support our fucking artists. Okay, before I get into the... Kind of, I, I don't know, is it a hot take? I don't know, is it a hot take? It's more something I'm processing, but I do have something to speak about after the ocarina pause, so we'll just get straight into it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That was that's a good ocarina there now. It has a just a lot of different different notes. It's not like that other one. Where's that other one? This one, like I don't like this one, hold on. 
I'd love to hear this played properly because I'd, I, it only has about four fucking notes and they're all really low and it's hard to bend them and go high like that other one, you know? So there you go. Before I move on, two live gigs that I want to just tell you about. I know this sounds like a podcast where I'm just fucking promoting my shit this episode, but uh, two gigs that are just announced. Dublin, Vicar Street, 14th and 19th of November. All right, live podcasts for the Dublin Podcast Festival. Really looking forward to those. I tell you what's interesting. Do you know, do you, do you know when it's uh, International Women's Day? Or International Women's Day. And whenever that happens, you know, everyone's online trying to be positive and celebrate it. And then you get these lads thinking they're being mad clever. Going, when's International Men's Day? Why is there no International Men's Day? And it's like, there is, buddy. It's the 19th of November. There is an International Fucking Men's Day. We don't really need it, but there is. So, yeah, that live podcast in Vicar Street is on 19th of November, International Men's Day. So, I don't know, I might do something fun for that. I'm going to have a think. I'm going to have a think about what I could do, considering it's International Men's Day. Interview a giant testicle. And check it for lumps. You know? Check your balls, lads. Check your balls every day. No harm. Get used to it. Even though it's, uh... Look, it's no crack. It's no crack doing that. It is fucking no crack. I don't know what it is. Is it... The sensation of it, it's just not great, is it? It's not great. You don't really want to be feeling your fucking nuts. You just want to acknowledge that they exist, but you don't want to be investigating them with your thumbs. But... Look, you'd be better... Just do it. Get comfortable with it every morning in the shower. Why not? All right. Go for it. So what I'd like to talk about this week and and kind of look into... um, It's something that increasingly I think about more and more. And I think in 20 years' time when we look back at the post-9-11 era, we'll say, it will come to radically define kind of what we're living through it will it will um not necessarily obviously the internet but it not it's it's it is the internet but data right data and data is an amazing word because it it mean it means nothing. It's it's so fucking like even in 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 Star Trek, right? Remember remember? I no, I don't know much about Star Trek, but what was the one with the bald fella? Next generation, right? And there was a character in it who was an android, and his name was Data, or Data as the Americans call it. And the whole shtick around this character was that they were you know this green-faced android with zero emotions or capacity to relate to humans whatsoever. An absolute walking machine called data. Because the word itself is so devoid of humanity. But yet, 
we're moving towards an age where like data is is one of the most important things in the world today it's more nearly more important than money and since the mid 2000s you know we've been given our data away and let's let's replace the word data with with secrets cuz that's what it is like if i say to you how how do you feel about giving away your data most people go, I don't give a fuck. Just let me click on the link. Let me use the app. But what if I said, how do you feel about giving away your your secrets about your behavior? And as technology advances, it's it's more and more your and your behavior of your behavior. Like in two thousand and five, your data was what do you click on? You know what links are you going to click on? And then after that, as Google got more intelligent, it's not just what do you click on, but what do you type into your search bar. And then mobile you know, smartphones kick in, and your data, it's, it's what you give away about yourself grows and grows and grows. It's not just what do you click on. So the smartphone comes in and it's... Now, what do you say into your phone as the technology starts to understand, you know, and decipher the words that you use? And then it became, you know, sometime around 2011, not so much, now what do you say into your phone, but now what do you say around your phone and around your devices? Because they're listening all the time. And if you use... FaceTime or one of these, you know, apps where you're doing a lot of video calls, you're giving away your facial expressions, you're giving away the shape of your face, the sound of your voice. Do you move around a lot? Now, you know, 2015, 2016, it becomes, where are your locations? Where are you moving? Do you, sp- do you spend a lot of time at home? Do you go to the gym? Do you go to the park? You're deepest secrets about where you go who you talk to what you say to them what you click on what you type everything as we live more and more through our phones you know our phones are now a separate extension of our personality as we live increasingly as avatars in a virtual world every element and aspect of your entire behaviour is fed into your phone as data and the kind of great exchange because smartphones are incredible I mean what makes smartphones particularly incredible is apps like apps are unreal a new app comes out every month like the fucking shit that I have on my phone that makes my life so fucking easy and it's so cheap like I go for a run and when I go like I think I give them a fucking 20 quid a year or something for the, the premium version of this app but I could use it for free like you know I, I, I go to the fuck I go for a fucking run it tells me how fast I'm running it tells me the calories I'm burning Um, I type in literally everything I eat goes into this app and it tells me you know what what my nutrition is like Um, my calories if you've got a smartwatch, it's you know it's tracking your sleep basically 
what's happened is your phone has gotten so fucking good at tracking your your behavior and secrets it's as if we now all of us are under 24 hour medical and scientific surveillance it's like we live in in a fucking lab right we and we do so you now live 24/7 in a lab where you have a huge team of incredibly skilled scientists recording and analyzing every aspect of your fucking behavior sleep scientists moderate your sleep or sorry record and analyze your sleep behavioral psychologists measure how how often a day do you get angry how often a day do you get anxious how does your phone know whether you're anxious or angry based on what you type based on how quickly you respond to words that contain anger trigger words based on the camera pointed at your face that can read human emotions and what and the dilation of your pupils and whether or not you appear to be anxious based upon your smartwatch which gives away the speed of your heartbeat when you see certain images or text on your phone we live in in a fucking in a world where you are non-stop 24/7 under the type of surveillance which 50 years ago would have been considered not only unimaginable but impossibly inhumane you wouldn't be able to keep a human under surveillance 365 days a year 24-7 okay so the other part you're going so fucking what so fucking what who gives a shit who cares and you know I'm not doing anything wrong so why should I give a fuck and to an extent it's true right why should you give a fuck but the thing is the trade off this is a general rule if 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 the product is free you are the product okay so when we use apps we are the product when we use free apps we are the product and you, what you sign away is like every app on your phone you're signing away your data so you're signing away every single detailed secret about every single aspect of your behavior that's what these apps are interested in now for the most part it's just to service capitalism they want to they want to sell your data to advertisers because the advertiser then very simply knows exactly how to sell you shit and that's that's helpful if i'm if I'm interested in buying a kettle, lads, and my phone finds out, I kind of like a day later when I'm getting ads for the type of kettle I kind of want to buy. You know, that's convenient. It's nice. Okay? But what we don't kind of... You don't consent with what they do with your fucking data. That's the problem. You don't consent to that. It's not just selling it to a company so they can better target you. Data is sold to law enforcement agencies. Data is sold to governments as a means to control you. I mean, it's a whole separate podcast and it's been very well covered, but you look at the Cambridge Analytica scandal and Trump and all that shit, 
our data was used to learn our deepest fucking fears everyone in in, in society in order for the to, for that to be co-opted by right wingers to figure out exactly what buttons to press on certain people to divide countries to divide societies and now as a result of this data world that we live in where we allowed a giant team of scientists to have intimate access to every aspect of our behavior and psychology we now have clowns running the world puppets like Boris Johnson and, and Donald Trump they're fucking clowns like they're and by which I mean they're pantomime puppets they're exaggerated human beings you don't meet Trumps and Johnsons they're insane they shouldn't exist as leaders but yet they do and this was all driven by data Brexit was driven by data it's we give away our data for free apps in the you know thinking grand they'll sell me a new pair of shoes but someone else came in and said can we buy this data but we don't want to use it for advertising we want to use it to assist political campaigns and the company said grand I don't give a fuck what you do work away so that's kind of the data type of shit that we know about the, the standard you know this app is free grand I'm giving away my data fine no hassle who cares but what about the the apps that are, are consciously funded by secret government organisations specifically to mine our data for insidious purposes of control and this exists and I want to kind of dip into it in this episode specifically I want to start off with apps that are funded by the CIA and this isn't conspiracy theory this isn't conspiracy theory this is the shit that I'm going to be talking about is it's it's out there in the open for you to look at it the CIA do a lot of shit in plain sight but no one really just doesn't make the news no one really knows about it mainly what they do is the CIA have a a company called InQtel and this is a company it's a, it's a non-profit company that receives billions from the US government and it acts as a funding company and InQtel invests in mainly technology and software and apps and it pumps a lot of money into these startups so that these startups can develop the shit that they're doing but then share all that data with the CIA for whatever reason the CIA wants um, the most classic example being um, I, mean, I mean look there's a few examples like if you, if you were using Facebook in 2008 um, like I remember it clearly conspiracy theories flying around and, and if you shared it you were considered nuts it was the wackiest conspiracy theory right and it used to fly around Facebook in 2008 and what people would say would be they they would have like a, they'd show Facebook and then they'd show companies that invested in Facebook and it would eventually lead to the CIA and they'd say Facebook is partly funded by the CIA because its purpose is to have everyone's details have as ma- many details as many citizens on earth as possible and if you shared that in 2008 
you were a lunatic. You had a tinfoil hat. Of course, that turned out to be completely true. Absolutely true. If you look at how uh, Facebook and Google shared data with the US government as leaked by Edward Snowden, you know, so that turned out to actually be true. Yes, uh, Facebook was a fun social media site um, where we could, you know, connect with people and do all of this, but it was also being exploited by the US government as a way to get to know shit about fucking everyone. And then that data was up for grabs by the Cambridge Analytica cunts and we can all see the results today. But other examples, like, you know, what? what's the point? What? Why would, let's just take the CIA for example. Why does the CIA do this shit? Well, a lot of it is related to 9-11, right? So after 9-11... All of America was shocked. It's like, oh my God, we've been attacked. This is the first time it's happened since Pearl Harbor. We're all fucked. They're going to crash more planes. You know, the, the the US government took it incredibly seriously. Everyone was very afraid. And they rolled out a thing called the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act, basically, it stripped back a ton of human rights for American citizens American citizens' rights to kind of privacy, uh, it, it stripped those away in the interest of stopping terrorism, right? And the Patriot Act was a, a great kind of attack on democracy, but people didn't care because they're like, stop the scary terrorists. So that allowed, we'll say, in QTEL, the CIA's company was started in the late 90s, but this fucking Patriot Act really allowed in QTEL to start funding a lot of Silicon Valley businesses. And a classic example is, like in the 90s, late 90s, the CIA had its own kind of, like a map, they tried to map the entire world using satellites. And you can get photographs of it. It was was called Earth Viewer. And it was a CIA-only piece of software that was developed for the CIA. And it was so they could go onto a computer and then track the movements of Iraqis and shit like that and and look at maps and move around. And the company that developed Earthviewer, who were like a private company, InQtel, then... InQtel being the CIA's capital firm, pumped a bunch of US government money into a new company called Keyhole in 2001 right after the 9-11 and pumped money into it Keyhole started taking more high-res images using satellites of the earth and then all of a sudden Keyhole gets bought up by Google and it becomes Google Earth so Google Earth Google Maps that we use every single day was straight up you can trace it funded by the CIA and I mean it's it's they kind of do it is because Google look friendly. Google Earth is... Like, I remember when Google Earth came out. I remember using that in, like, 2009, thinking, this is fucking amazing. I remember, like, going onto it and, you know, zooming in on my own gaff, on my own house. 
And the only dodgy thing I thought of is I said to myself, geez, this is going to make it really easy for people to, to rob gaffs, to rob houses, because you can now go on the computer and look at it. But if the CIA came out and said, we're mapping the entire world, we're, we're, we're taking photographs of your back garden in Ireland, there'd be uproar. But when a nice friendly company like Google does it and then rolls it out as a, a fun app or a fun desktop thing that I can use, we don't give a fuck. We don't care. We don't give a shit. So that right there is a prime example. But what makes the Google Earth thing so, I don't know, scary for the future is like... What you have there is the ultimate harvesting of information, of visual information about the Earth, right? Very simple, it's just high-res satellite images of every single part of the Earth, right? And this is what you're seeing with what InQtel, the CIA, are investing in over the past 10-15 years. It's massive... It's as if eventually they want to have on a computer server every single possible piece of information about every aspect of the earth and every human living in it that's what's kind of happening right now with there's hundreds of companies that they're invested in there's your standard shit where it's like I mean they tend to just find private companies where there's a lot of clever people working at it and developing interesting technology and the CIA will say we'll give you a few quid towards that like noise cancelling fucking microphones that go inside your mouth are I think they have a few quid in Boston Dynamics I could be wrong could be wrong with that now that's not confirmed but like robotics technologies virtual reality all this stuff but what freaks me out is that it's the the data harvesting stuff okay um what what comes to mind on a previous podcast I spoke about um, modern DNA companies, right? Ancestry companies. Ancestry.com are 23 and me. And I spoke about these companies. Um, it's very popular online. You want to find out what your heritage is. So you apply for one of these DNA tests. You swab your cheek. You send it off to a lab. It comes back and it tells you what your ethnic heritage is or whatever. But we also discussed how what you trade off with these companies is you allow them access to the data of your DNA. And that's why it's so cheap. It's only 100 quid. It should cost a grand. And what these companies are doing is they now have your genetic DNA data and they're selling them to the pharmaceutical industry. Now, I have no evidence to suggest that the CIA are funding these, these companies right, I don't know about that, probably if the CIA, if InQtel rock on up to 23andMe and say, like, okay, 23andMe, either 23andMe or Ancestry.com, I'm not sure which one, one of them did a 300 million deal with Glatco, Smithco, Klein, the pharmaceutical company, where Glatco came up and said, here's 300 million, give us access to everybody's DNA, and the lads said, grand, they signed it away, we own it. You can rent that data. So, there's nothing stopping uh, the CAA company, InQtel, 
rocking up as a customer and saying, here's 300 million quid, can we have that data? So I'd be surprised if that isn't happening. I don't have evidence for it. What I do have evidence for is there's this really popular fucking skincare product online. Now, Oprah, like, promotes it and a lot of beauty bloggers promote it and all this. It's a special skin product called Clearista, right? And the thing with Clearista is that it's it's not just a skin product. It's it's something you can put on your skin and I think you send back a swab of the Clearista or something and what the what the company can do is it can tell you like the the biomarker profile of your skin. Basically it's like it's a, it's a skincare product company that can tell you intimate scientific data about your skin which can they can then provide for you the best possible skincare products based upon biomarker data of your skin. I don't know what that means. I'm not a fucking scientist, but that's what it says it does on the tin. Okay, so it's not just you're not just going into boots looking for the oily skin moisturizer. You're buying a product whereby it will tell you exactly what type of skin you have, you know, whether you're at risk from diseases or cancer. And it does this by learning your DNA, basically. And people are hovering this up because people want the best possible skin product for them. And this company is selling that. But if you look at it, in 2010, like, it was 100%, if not 100%, it was, it was a vast amount of the funding for this company came from Incutel, which is the CIA's company. So, this Clearista fucking moisturizer that you can buy in, a, in in Brown Thomas or whatever, it's a CIA-funded fucking skincare product where I can only assume they're using it to harvest the data of people's DNA of whoever uses it. And their goal would be to make it so popular and to get so many other products to do the same thing popular that we are now willingly giving away our genetic data to the CIA in order to have clearer skin. And this is how it works. And this isn't conspiracy theory shit. This is fucking happening. You could, this is out in the open. That's the mad thing. No, a whistleblower or a, a leaker didn't have to let everybody know that InQtel invested in this skincare company. You can just find it out. It's there. It's just not being talked about. And that's troubling because you know, and the it's 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 the potential for tyranny. That's the problem. Once you have someone's DNA, it's the fact that we don't know as well. There's you know, how much consent is there? We don't understand fully consent and data and what it means. I mean, Europe made a good bit of progress there with the GDPR regulations, which gives us some control over our fucking data. But... I don't know, like... Is it is it worth fucking getting rid of a few spots on your face to allow the CIA to know your fucking DNA? If they know your DNA, imagine that for, for tracking you. It's... Its potential for tyranny is, is is shocking, and 
The CIA are about tyranny. They say it's for protection, but the, tyranny is, is what they're into. To maintain... Uh, to, to make the US the most powerful country in the world. And they do it through tyranny. It's It's sneaky. And it should be illegal. Look... If the US government said to you, can we have your DNA? Can we swab your skin because we just want your DNA? Are you going to say yes? She's going, no, fuck off. No, you can't have my fucking DNA. So this is how they managed to find out a way to do it. And it's like, what do they want with it? You know, what are they going to do? What what weird fucked up shit is going to happen in 10 years? Where we all regret giving away our DNA data. In the way... I mean, they did it on Facebook through third-party apps like Farmville and shit like that. I mean, we all regret playing Farmville now. We all regret giving away our data to Facebook. Because we've seen what comes from it. So, what's going to happen in 10 years' time with our DNA? I don't fucking know. And... I haven't a clue what the fuck they're doing. Based on that Chinese, the what's going on in China? You know, t- in China they're just very openly using people's data for utter control and tyranny and punishment and reward through the social credit system. That's not in the West, but I'd be fucking shocked if the, the powers that be in the West wouldn't like that. Wouldn't love to have a population under complete and utter surveillance and control of every single aspect of it's it's what's freaky they now they have our behavioral data through our smartphones and now they're moving on to our our biological data our dna here's another one that's fucking insane so i mentioned earlier about you know keyhole which was cia funded which eventually became google earth right um so the CEO, the person who was kind of in charge of both the Keyhole thing and the Google Earth thing, and also after that, Google Cars, right? So do you, do you know Google Street View? So first came Google Earth and Google Maps, but now there's, around 2010, there was Google Street View, where you can literally zoom down into the map and you can walk around the streets. Like, again, handy as fuck. Like, Google Street View is practically, like, it it improves my life. If I'm doing a gig somewhere, if I'm going on holidays, I can walk around where my hotel is before I'm even there to find out where the nearest shop is, you know, to find out where the fucking pub is. I'll do that, and it's really useful, and it improves my life. But we've all seen the Google cars that drive around the gaff. So in order to collect the data for Google Street View cars were sent out and they're sent out every four years I think literally on every single road in the entire world and they do 360 degree cameras all around So that and this turns into Google Street View and we can walk around on it but in Germany in 2010 there was a big scandal because th- these these Google cars were accused of not not just... So on the surface, they're kind of these fun things that you look at and you go, wow, isn't that nuts? Look at that Google car. It's all friendly with the Google logo and its big camera on top. And 
it doesn't look insidious or dodgy because it's so stupid and ridiculous looking and out in the open and it has Google on the side that we don't feel threatened or scared by it. It's a novelty. It's fun. But these cars were accused in Germany, but all over the world, of not just using the camera at the top to take photographs of the roads. What they were also doing, apparently, was, as they're going past houses, hacking into unsecured Wi-Fi networks and using that hack to trawl through personal data and information through the Wi-Fi, such as passwords, bank statements, financial details, all this shit that they illegally should not be taken, they were also harvesting that data from unsecured Wi-Fi networks. Uh, that's why a lot of people now would use VPNs as a way to... I'm not fully sure how it works, but a lot of wi- Wi-Fi is, is not secure, and if someone knows how to do it, they can strip a lot of your personal information through an unsecured Wi-Fi network. Public Wi-Fi in particular is bad news. If you're in a cafe or in a hotel, um, someone with the right right knowledge can hack your phone for very sensitive data that you wouldn't like to give away at all, um, such as credit cards and financial information or whatever. They can do that if you're on an unsecured Wi-Fi, public, public Wi-Fi network. So it's why it's a good idea to have a good VPN. You can get a VPN app for your phone, about a fiver a month. Um, and it kind of it it tricks the network basically and keeps you safe. I have one, but here's the shtick. So the person who was the CEO of fucking Keyhole Google Art, the person behind the Google Cars that were doing the Street View and illegally harvesting the fucking data. This person went on to also run an incredibly popular app that everybody used in 2016. A very friendly, fun app that took the absolute world by storm. Uh, I'm talking about Pokemon Go. Do you remember that? Just a few people still using it. Do you remember when Pokemon Go came out? Like, the world nearly went mad. Like, everyone was using it. And Pokemon Go was this augmented reality app. Like, it was so much fucking fun, but basically, it uses the camera on your phone. To So Pokemon, if you don't know, they're like these little mythical creature animals from the cartoon Pokemon, whatever the fuck. So it was this huge interaction it was an interactive video game that used the real world and thousands of players and so you'd go on you'd open up your Pokemon Go and you'd see a map of Limerick and you'd see all the other people playing Pokemon Go and a Pokemon a little mythical animal might appear near your house and you had to walk with your camera to this location and other people would too to capture this Pokemon which you could see through the camera on your phone and people loved it they went fucking nuts for it but the person running Pokemon Go was also the person you know who was accused of that huge data scandal where they were stealing information from Wi-Fi passwords the person who 
worked alongside the CIA to develop Google Earth. This is who's running Pokemon Go. And a lot of people started to become suspicious of the... Because I, I, I think it, it was free. If it wasn't free, it was very cheap. But it was asking for quite a lot of privileges on your phone. Access to microphone, access to camera. All, it was looking for a lot of data. And people started to wonder... Pokemon Go is asking for a lot more data than it needs to simply operate and we're just giving it away because it's that much crack. It was viral. And this, what was his name? John Hank, who was the CEO of the company running uh, Pokemon Go, this guy founded Keyhole, right? And he was also, I believe, was he the C... He wasn't CIO of InQtel, but he worked for InQtel, which is the CIA's company that funds all this shit, okay, and that's the guy who runs Pokemon Go, uh, or who did anyway, I don't know if he left it since, so then you're left thinking, like, what the fuck did the CIA want with Pokemon Go? I mean, an intelligence agency, what they want is information, as data and information about as much things as possible, so now imagine, like, Pokemon Go was global, Right, it was so Pokemon as well, and what's worth noting, like yes, Pokemon is hugely popular in America, Britain, and Europe. Very, very popular. We all grew up with fucking Pokemon. It's fucking way more popular in Asia, in Korea, in China, in Japan. Way more popular. So Pokemon Go went globally viral. So now let's imagine that you know the CIA have access and control over Pokemon Go you know what could they do with it think of it think of it as 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 mapping software like let's just say the CIA want intimate incredibly detailed um, visual information like right down to, to the fucking concrete of certain areas and streets in China now China is like fuck Russia Russia's got the economy of, of Italy. The big superpower, but they're not called a superpower. The, bi- the big, the Cold War right now is between America and China. And we, we haven't seen it yet, but it's, over the next 10 years, it's going to become more and more apparent. And it's, the internet's going to divide between Chinese internet and American internet. And at the moment, they're fighting for the spaces in between that don't have either. Africa, uh, India, Bangladesh, places like that. So, what Pokemon Go allows the CIA to do is, it's like like being able to airdrop thousands of CIA agents with fucking complex equipment into the most sensitive parts of China to visually map every single element, uh, first of all, of the physical environment. Because all they have to do, if Pokemon Go is popular in China... Right, they just have to make a, a rare Pokemon appear near a government building, and every fucking teenager in a five-mile radius will flock to this place with their cameras on, microphones on, and they're mapping every single element of that area. That all feeds back into the servers. The CIA have access to it, and now they have a full 3D model of the most sensitive areas in China or in South Korea, or in Japan, or wherever the fuck, 
not only that, let's just take it back to, you know, the Google cars that were driving around innocently, mapping everything and taking photos. But what they were also doing, as they were accused of, was using public Wi-Fi networks in order to steal sensitive data. Let's just assume, and I think it's been accused, that Pokemon Go is doing that as well. So now you've got all these kids looking for Pikachu in the middle of China. They're not only taking photographs of the streets, but what they're doing too is extracting tons of sensitive data from people's homes or from the government through public Wi-Fi networks or people who are being irresponsible with Wi-Fi. What does that data allow the CIA to do? What, what, what would that data... Fucking cyber attacks because that's going to be the wars of the future the wars of the future are going to be cyber attacks especially in a country like China where they already have 5G and 5G is going to roll out across all the world now more and more of our important infrastructure and I'm talking fucking traffic lights to public health systems are going to be reliant on 5G internet so cyber attacks are going to be what will cripple countries so Pokemon Go most likely if you follow the trail is used as a massive data mining service to enable cyber attacks on whatever fucking country the US wants to fuck up you know now I'm not one for when you see protests alright there's this party that wants to go ah oh, that's the fucking CIA meddling in it I'm cautious of that because what it does is it, it's that's a colonial viewpoint it remo- removes the concept of agency from the people in that country um, a more realistic approach is that when protests happen in the countries that are US rivals yes it is the people using their agency and their anger to form the protests but there's often CIA cunts stuck into it enabling it and stirring shit up Maybe, right, now I've no evidence this is a fucking boiling hot take, maybe the protests that are happening right now in Hong Kong, which are coinciding with the 70th anniversary of the of the Chinese uh, communist state, maybe those fucking protests are being enabled by data that was mined by Pokemon Go in 2016. It's not crazy to say it, it's, 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 it's possible. Um, another thing the CIA are hugely interested in is there's a there's a Philip K. Dick book called Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. It was made into a film. Now I don't know is the Dick book called Johnny Mnemonic or is that the name of the film? But basically, what it is is it's it's a it's a science fiction about a future society uh, where crimes don't happen because a kind of spiritual technology exists whereby the police can stop a crime before it happens because they already know. Well, the CIA have been attempting to develop this since 2004. They have... Inqtel funded a company called Palantir alongside the lad who founded PayPal, Peter Thiel. So Peter Thiel and... Inqtel have this thing Palantir that's been going since 2004 and it was initially used to predict uh, roadside bombs in Iraq before they happen um, so this company is, is firing away using 
like here here's the thing with like you know why does anyone want the data of your movements like advertising so you move around all day with your smartphone right your smartphone knows when you go to work it knows when you're likely to go to the shop it knows when you go to the gym we're creatures of pattern whether we know it or not so your smartphone like advertisers know when you're going to be near Argos next Wednesday and they buy that data to pitch some Argos shit when they they think you're going to be when you're in the city centre on Thursdays because that's when you fucking meet your ma or some shit like that your phone knows and it sells it to advertisers and your advertisers can predict where and when you're going to be and they sell shit to you based on that but there's nothing stopping Inqtel buying that data too and using it to predict things like that mainly for stopping terrorism and shit like that but again like I said in China they're using this to control the population so is it just the CIA that are doing this shit no it is not um, a most obvious example so in China there's there's not really such thing as a private company in China okay it doesn't really exist every company they're kind of like they're kind of owned by the state and if they're not like every by that by let's just say by the rationale of any company operating in China the Chinese state has full access to any data that that company mines this is why for the past year uh, Huawei phones have been so controversial this is why if you work for the US government you're not allowed to have a Huawei phone this is why Huawei was they kicked them off the Google App Store or something like that I believe basically to de-incentivize anyone buying a Huawei phone uh, because the theory goes that Huawei it's collecting all the fucking data if you've got a Huawei phone they're brilliant phones they're cheaper than iPhones a lot of people have them if they're on a budget and they want the cheaper phones so they were going fuck that you're not on the Google store anymore so you can't get apps for it but yeah apparently it's it's collecting every single element of your data the Chinese government has access to it how does that become convenient because it allows the Chinese government to perform vicious and effective cyber attacks on populations. So aside from Huawei handsets, possibly the biggest app right now with teenagers by fucking far is TikTok. Right? TikTok is fucking huge. TikTok is like Vine, but with music it, it's it's for teenagers you wouldn't really find adults using it it's mainly for teenagers but amongst teenagers it, it's the biggest fucking app right and people don't really know it TikTok is Chinese it's a Chinese company owns TikTok like, TikTok is so big that it has a huge effect on like the music charts like so because TikTok, you record a short video of yourself and there's music alongside it that you pick. Like, you know that song, Old Town Road? Like, the biggest song of 2019 by far. Like, that that was just a song on fucking YouTube that a lad uploaded. And because a few people started a, a meme on TikTok with it, it went straight to the fucking charts. Like, if you want to see the impact of TikTok, 
when you go on Spotify, there's two charts that you can look up on Spotify, music charts. There's the official charts, which is like the billboard charts for each country, and then there's the viral charts. And when you go to the viral charts, when you go around the top, you'll hear songs in the viral charts that are nowhere near the billboard. It's, it's a complete different charts. But the billboard charts is about streams and sales, but the viral charts are about plays. And often it comes from TikTok. So you end up with these really obscure songs being the most popular song in the world because of TikTok. So anyway, yeah, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. So you can then assume that they're sharing all their data with fucking the Chinese government. Prior to 2019, the what TikTok asked of our data was pretty intrusive. And then you go, sure, what's the point? I mean, it's, it's, it's like having a, a network of spies in a country. There's two things. Like I said, vicious cyber attacks that the Chinese can... I mean, the Chinese aren't... They're against the EU as well. You know, someone took down the NHS three years ago with a cyber attack. Could have been North Korea, we're not sure. Could have been MI5 testing their own fucking... They did it through what's known as the Internet of Things. They managed to hack, like, light bulbs and fridges that are internet connected. But... The main fear with TikTok is, like, election interference. You know, it's harvesting all this data and behaviour... The average TikTok user might be 15, but in four years' time, they're going to, or, or in three years' time, they're going to be 18, they're going to be eligible to vote. And if you look at what happened with Cambridge Analytica, where Cambridge Analytica accessed hugely intimate data and used it as a way to rile people's political beliefs by feeding them, you know, it's all about what turns up in your newsfeed. They, they can target who needs to hear some racist shit right now. Who needs in their Facebook feed or, or in, on, in their adverts or on their Google search um, a racist article or an anti-immigration article or an article that's very pro-right wing. Do you know this is what this, is what this sensitive data can do? This is how you can... You can fuck with democracies. The Chinese government can fuck with Western democracies using the data that is being mined through teenagers dancing with TikTok. That, that, this is the world we're living in. This isn't bullshit. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is the world we're living in. If the CIA are doing it openly, you can bet the fucking Chinese are doing it. Remember that app there last year? Or sorry, uh, a month ago. Went hugely popular. Face app where literally everybody took a photograph of their face and then uploaded the, the 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 software took your face and showed you what you'd look like in 40 years as an old person or as a young person or it switched your gender and it became a viral meme online for everyone to take a photograph of their face and to change their age face app run by the russians the russians you trace that back to a russian company so there's no fucking hard evidence but it, it's highly likely that Facebook or FaceApp, or, or they've been accused of at least, of sharing their data with the Russian government. So now the Russian government has the facial data and analytics of a huge percentage of the population in Western countries now. Or, failing that at the very least, the ability to 
mine sensitive information from the phones via Wi-Fi networks or from your own phone for the purposes of either cyber attacks or just simply data gathering information so that they can swing and influence elections. So that's the... I know it's a lot to swallow and it doesn't sound real and it sounds tinfoil hat, right? But this isn't. It's not. It's not tinfoil hat. It's, it's, this is what's happening. We don't... This is what our data is. Like I said, you use your phone and it's like, if it was the 1950s, it, it, it's like you've decided to live in an, in an experimental house where a team of 20 scientists measure and monitor everything about you. Your physical behaviour, your psychological behaviour, and now your biometric data. And they're analysing all of it and creating a complete and utter record of you. To know everything about you and to predict what you may do. And this is all of us that have this, living in the one society with everything mapped. And these are the things that are... It's, it's a battlefield that we don't see. This is the global battlefield today. No one, no superpowers aren't firing fucking missiles at each other. They're gathering as much information as, as humanly possible on other populations in order to perform non-linear warfare, which in the event of an actual war, like, again, I'm just being fucking hypothetical. What would a war between China and the US look like in in 2025 I'm not going to say it's going to happen I'm not trying to freak anyone out I'm being purely hypothetical here I'm just trying to lay out the the infrastructure it wouldn't be a war of guns and bombs it would initially begin with either an aggressive attempt first to destable democracy through the exploitation of data which as I've mentioned the Hong Kong protests maybe you know kind of CIA backed possibly I've no evidence just seems a bit fishy 70th anniversary all that crack you know I don't want to remove agency from the people of Hong Kong the toppling of a government the toppling of democracy through the exploitation of data then step two would be large scale cyber attacks which would destroy the either the health system the banking system cause a financial crash create a a society that is in turmoil and then only after those steps would it kind of progress to physical warfare when the infrastructure is uh, when the digital and, and commercial infrastructure has been ripped apart through the use of data So there you go. Anyway, lads, fucking hell. It's four in the morning here was it, when I'm recording this because that's how hot that take was. Um, Started off making the case for Irish musicians and ended up in a... I don't know, a fucking... Laying out the groundwork for our current dystopia and what's going on. It's harvesting you. Listening to this podcast, you're giving your data away. So, so, listen to it. Sure, listen. 
about two months ago I was approached by a company um, based in Canada and they just said to me blind boy we would be we'd be willing to pay you money we'll pay you per podcast it was decent enough money for us to have access to uh, for us to have the con- your consent to digitally analyze and collect the data of your voice on all your podcasts so a canadian company wanted to buy like a load of my podcasts so they could run the podcast through analytical software and use high-tech data gathering software to completely analyze my voice and what I'd be selling them basically for the price was for them to be able to keep that data and do with it as, as they please as such I'm guessing I turned it down completely turned it down because you know on the surface it's like why do they want it they probably want to sell it to you know we, we voice activation technology is becoming a thing like my ma at the moment now she's after getting one of these google things that you shout into and it, and it makes life easier for her so she can ask it to change the channel or put on a youtube video but it can't really understand her fucking old woman irish accent so most likely what this company would have done with the data is sell it to google or facebook so that a piece of software could learn a regional southern irish accent in order to help us in southern ireland to use our voice activated technology better or maybe in two years time when you know everything around the house is going to be voice activated once 5g kicks in your lights your fucking fridge the whole shebang once 5g is here everything will be voice activated so maybe they were rolling out ahead of that and wanted to learn my accent but i said no because you know what if they said what if what if it's it's the guards buy the data and now they're identifying people over the phone via identifying limerick people over the phone or whatever it's like when you consent to giving your data away you don't really consent to what happens with that data and it can be used for something simple like advertising or improving our lives or it can be used for control and tyranny so I said no to that one alright Yurt I'll see you next week I may be next week's podcast might be an outdoor ASMR one and I'll have it as a surprise I'll say nothing Yurt
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.